Well, hello everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. We're coming to you today not from the tall timbers of Colorado, but instead from a hotel room in the lower-than-sea level Gulf Coast area of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Wendy and I are here for a conference at Victory Baptist Church with my good friend Dr. Wayne D'Artez. Today is Monday, February the 5th, 2024. Our conference kicked off yesterday on Sunday. I spoke twice uh, at Victory Baptist there, and I'll be speaking again tonight and uh, tomorrow night. And we've posted the first two videos from this conference on our Rumble page. I think they're also linked up on the highlight carousel at notbyworks.org. So if you'd like to watch those videos, they are available. This conference is not live streamed, but again, we are uh, recording it and posting those to the Not By Works uh, website and Rumble channel. Well, we've got uh, our technologist Shane with us today to continue our discussion of updates and news items in the technology world, talking about technology and how it relates to the end times. And uh, so we'll bring him on here in just a moment. A couple of quick announcements as we uh, kick off the new week. I uh, wanted to mention that uh, yet again, and I knew this was coming, I'm surprised it took as long as it did, but we got uh, our, one of our videos booted from YouTube uh, from last Tuesday, our Prophecy Night Q&A. Uh, so that means we're in the penalty box and haven't been able to post anything for a week. Um, Folks, that's the reason that we've spent the last three years not using YouTube. It just infuriates me that I'm not able to speak freely in a country that's supposed to be founded upon uh, First Amendment rights of free speech. Uh, so three years ago, we had, over a span of about a year, 11 different videos at different times uh, banned from YouTube, and that meant uh, large windows of time, two, three weeks at a time where we weren't able to post anything. And uh, so it's just, it's discouraging for our YouTube listeners. Uh, but we want to reiterate again that YouTube is just an auxiliary method of getting the message out. Our primary platform is notbyworks.org. Everything you need, you can get to from that one website. All of our videos are relinked up there. All of our podcasts are linked up there, devotionals, other announcements, special events, all kinds of things. Uh, that's kind of your one-stop shop, notbyworks.org. But we do realize that YouTube has a huge following. We still have a huge uh, audience on YouTube, even though we were absent for so long. And so that's one of the reasons we decided to start reposting our daily podcasts and other things uh, there, just to reach people that maybe haven't thought about the fact that Not By Works is on Rumble or podcast channels or other outlets. Uh, so if you're a YouTuber and you've kind of wondered what happened, we're still here. Uh, of course, if you're a YouTuber, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but at least not on this platform. But in any event, if you hear anybody wondering about, hey, where's Not By Works on YouTube? That's what happened. We're going to fire it back up again here in another day or so and see how long that lasts. But I just, it's not in my nature like a lot of my colleagues and others, to use code words and, and try to you know, skirt the system and, and so forth. If I can't be myself and speak freely and speak from the heart, it's just hard uh, for me to, to do it. So I imagine before long we'll have to abandon YouTube again, but pray that uh, the algorithms uh, don't catch us and we're able to slip by. I don't intentionally poke the bear, but it just seems like as I'm talking about realities and exposing lies that every now and then something comes up. I don't even know what it was Tuesday night. I My wife thinks it was something about the election, uh, but whatever it was, it wasn't a major focus. It was just a passing comment, and the result was uh, that video was uh, banned. So, But you can watch, by the way, the Prophecy Night video and all of our stuff at Rumble 
and at notbyworks.org. So I uh, just wanted to give you that quick announcement. Don't forget, we've got our next uh, uh, premier member Zoom Q&A, the live uh, Q&A with Mondo Gonzalez. A chance for you to meet him and ask some questions. That's coming up February 15th uh, at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's for our premier members only. So if you're not a premier member, I encourage you to sign up. You've got plenty of time. It also comes with a number of other value adds, uh, free content um, or additional content, members only content. You get the video versions of these podcasts that we're uh, doing with folks like Shane. Uh, whereas only the audio is posted to the general public. But the big thing is the monthly Zoom Q&As with a guest, and this time it'll be Mondo Gonzalez. Next month it's going to be Lee Brainerd. We've had lots of other great guests on. So if you're interested in joining that and asking some questions, check out the Premier Member subscription. It's a small monthly fee. You can cancel at any time, and um, we'd love to have you be a part of that group. All right, our verse for the day um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, especially in light of having Shane on to kick off the week. By the way, we've got a lot of great guests this week. Um, we've got Curtis Chamberlain back on. I'm going to be uh, having Randy, of course, on for World Events Update. Tomorrow, I'm going to bring, bring on Dr. Wayne D'Artez from here in Louisiana, a great man of God. He'll be speaking at the Tulsa Bob, uh, Mid-America Prophecy Conference with me in May. And I can't wait for you to meet him, hear his story. Just a uh, a great, a great man. So some new guests, some old guests, and uh, looking forward to a great week. But as I was thinking about Shane today, I was thinking about how we're always on camera. You know, we drove, uh, uh, you know, across country for all the way from Colorado down here to the Gulf Coast. And, you know, everywhere I look, cameras, we're always being watched. Zero privacy. No matter how hard I try, we are surveilled all across this country. I mean, think about it. Just imagine and I bet Shane could do this, we'll have to ask him, but if you wanted to travel across the country without a digital record of where you've been, could you do it? Uh, I mean, it'd be tough, honestly. It would be extremely tough. I mean, everything is tracked this day. Cars have trackers in them and GPSs. Obviously, your phone, uh, cameras, highway cameras, everywhere you go, the toll booths, uh, red light cameras. It's just, it would be very difficult uh, to travel across the country, uh, frankly, impossible for most people, uh, without being uh, tracked. And that's one of the downsides of technology. Obviously, there's good uses for that. If you're trying to find someone who's lost or catch a criminal, that can be very helpful. Uh, but uh, in general, when the enemy takes over and Satan uh, is kind of running this one-world system, uh, it's going to make it much harder for people to fly below the radar and 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 you kind of skirt uh, the long-reaching tentacles of the Luciferian elite. So as I was thinking about that, then I went to my verse for the day. Today's the fifth, so I was in Proverbs 5, and lo and behold, I find at the end of the chapter, quote, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. And in the context there, it's talking about the wicked. The ways of the wicked man are always before the Lord. Uh, and he ponders all his best. So it was just interesting to me that the shoe's going to uh, you know, be put on the other foot here at some point, and it's the wicked uh, who cannot escape uh, the uh, watchful eye of Almighty God, who is omniscient, omnipotent, and someday they will be uh, sort of uh, hoist by their own petard, as, uh, as Shakespeare says. So hope that's comforting to you. I know it, it's... Uh, uh, you know, still doesn't change what we're facing today in this uh, these great last days of deception uh, where the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. But it is comforting to know that someday they will get 
there. So Shane, uh, we're excited to have you back on today. Always do a great job of kind of updating us on some key news items. uh, And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you have today. Take it away. Great. Okay. Well, so, um, so just, it's going to be a little bit shorter report uh, today. And unfortunately, um, it's overwhelmingly weighted towards bad news. Most of the AI news that's been coming out since the last time I was on is honestly, it's a lot of kind of me too products, I'll call them. Um, it's variations on, on models and, and uh, certainly interesting advancements in some of the hardware and, and so forth. Um, but um, so, you know, I, I think we're off to a little bit of a slow start. I didn't want to rehash things that we'd already covered in the past. Um, so, so today I've got one green story, and it's actually probably should be a yellow. Um, and I've got one yellow story. It's probably, you know, pretty subtle in, in the yellow. And then the rest are, are red. Um, and one of them, you know, I want to spend the, the last one a little bit of time talking about if it's true. Um, and, and I'll go into why I'm, I'm not 100% sold that the story is, is accurate at this point. But if it's true, we have truly crossed the proverbial Rubicon with this, and and um, and we are just days, weeks away from seeing the explosion of this kind of problem. Mm. So, going to my first uh, green story here, um, and this one, this one's got some some real value. This is that could be that you know that good side of AI. Uh, there's a company called HL Mando that has brought out a autonomous robot called Parky, and it is it is a small rolling platform, and it's designed for parking lots. And so, if I pull into a parking lot, Parky would roll underneath my vehicle, lift it up, and carry it and put it into a spot. Um, and um, and it can uh, monitor. Uh, other movement in the parking lot. So it's not going to run into somebody who's walking to the parking lot as it carries a car. Um, it's going to know where your car is. It also promises to allow parking lots to maximize their efficiency in that you could you can squeeze more cars in there because nobody has to get out of the vehicle, right? It just has to have enough room on either side of the vehicle for it to slide in. So, um, and then when you need your car, you have an app and you press and it brings you your car. So it reminds me a lot of the robots that you see, they've seen inside of Amazon warehouses for a while. These small flat robots that roll out to a rack of goods, lift it up and bring it to the worker. So the worker can simply pick the appropriate product from whatever shelf is on that rack. And then it takes it back and and, and, uh, returns the rack to where it goes in the warehouse. So it's kind of like that, but with cars. Hmm. Now I did mention there's a, you know, there's a, a darker side to it, that yellow part. And clearly, there's going to be some job loss um, where where it's really going to uh, hit is with people who are valets or uh, some sort of parking lot attendant um, that probably won't be needed uh, here in the near future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certainly some plus side, but there's going to be some job loss with it. You know, that's an interesting one to me, Shane, because, of course, people a lot smarter than <clears throat> me have c- created this tool. But uh, it seems to me that it would slow things down. Uh, if you've got a, like, I'm just picturing a big event where people are lined up to pull into a parking lot and if they've got to get out and then this tool has to, you know, park and then come back and get the next car, it seems like a, you'd lose a little bit of efficiency, no? Not possibly, you know, there, there might have to be some sort of queuing system, like a lane that you pull up into and you, and you get out and, and there's probably multiple of these robots running. Mm. And so, um, you know, certainly there's going to be some, 
deployment issues like that to deal with. I, I can certainly think in in certain uh, uh, you know urban settings where you don't you don't have this option of creating new space for that parking garage. Probably something on the first floor uh, would would need to be reserved, and that's where you drop your vehicle off, and then Parky comes and takes it away. And when you need it back, you again get on your app and it brings it back to you there on whatever that designated area is. I wonder if the bad guys will use this. I'm sure they will. They use everything else uh, for auto theft. You know, it's almost sure. like a clone or a robot, you know, a robot that remotely they can do it and they don't have to break into the car, you know, hotwire it, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Instead of you having to go to the bank, the bank comes to you, right? Yeah. Um, you make, make it bring the car out to you. Yeah, you know, that that's part of that general deal of never underestimate human depravity. It there's gonna be all kinds of, of things like that. Mm. All right. Next story. This is my my yellow one. And this is like I said, pretty solid yellow. Sam Altman, who you all know is the CEO of OpenAI, the chat GPT uh, company, um uh, was at Davos. Um and he said the next major AI model will likely be GPT five. Uh, the fact that he's calling it GPT-5 uh, suggests that it is a, a significant upgrade, a, a major release, if you will, as opposed to something that came out with you know, GPT-4.75 or something like that. Certainly advancements, but not quite a major jump forward. This likely is, is a signal that it's a, a, a big improvement over the previous capabilities of, of a, a chat GPT. Um, the... Um, Three things he brought up that were most interesting in the talk is one, and he was focused on knowledge workers. So, you know, this isn't, you know, folks who are, um, you know, necessarily working in a factory or building or things like that. It's, it's you know, people sitting in an office dealing with computers and email and things like that. And so, and, and this is a quote, he said, soon you might be able to say, what are my most important emails today? <clears throat> Excuse me. Have the AI summarize them. And and then you work off of that as opposed to sorting through all of the emails, <clears throat> excuse hmm. me, and making a decision on what you need to prioritize. Hmm. So so and I think that's um, that's absolutely going to happen. That's that's part of that leverage phase that I've been talking about with the adoption of AI. Then he brought up elections since we're an election uh, uh, cycle here. Um, he said OpenAI is ramping up its team to reduce misinformation and abuse of its models um, for the more than 60 elections taking place globally this year. So think about that, 60 elections this year, including the United States. Mm. Um, this is a proverbial AI powder keg for abuse. So he said they're gonna try to you know, curtail this kind of, kind of uh, behavior. I don't know what that means, how that's gonna work. But um, but he did uh, admit to that, you know, definitely acknowledge that that's a problem. And then the uh, the last major area that I, I thought was interesting is that of copyright. In past shows, we've talked about abuses where models were trained on the writings of various authors, and that would then produce fake works that sounded very very much like the writer themselves. The first example I saw that was with Jordan Peterson, and he said, "Yeah, I, you know, if, if I." didn't know what I wrote, and I saw this, I could see this being something that would convince others that I wrote it. And there have been a number of other uh, examples of that. And so in this context, the New York Times has 
Um, if I remember correctly, we actually sued OpenAI for copyright infringement. And, um, and when asked if there was a way to train future models to truly only use open source content, that which is just freely available uh, to the world, um, Altman said, he said, I don't have an easy yes or no answer for that. Um, and he's right. Uh, he said, um, and this is um, uh, a quote here, he said, we can, we can respect an opt-out. So, for example, if, say, the New York Times says, hey, we don't want you uh, using our information to train on, they wouldn't go directly to the New York Times. He said, but, and this is a very true uh, issue, New York Times content has been copied and not attributed all over the web. And he said, given that reality, we can't avoid training on that data. And, and I think there's, uh, he, he's, he's on target with that. I can remember in, and, and, and you know this from, from being in academics, there's going to be that student who tries to cheat on the paper. And so, so many times I would see uh, writing samples and quotes and, and uh, thoughts and so forth in a paper that I just knew this student didn't produce. And so when I'd go out and start searching for it, I would find many, many hits for a particular phrase or a sentence or, or, or whatever it was in, in the student's paper. And what I found over and over again is many times the source for that particular quote was from a, a book by, let's say, a Ryrie or a Pentecost, somebody of that nature. But I found 30 or 40 non-attributed copies of that quote woven into articles and so forth on on a christian blogs or or other sources and so we have this case here where in this case the student is plagiarizing uh, a source but he or she doesn't even know what that source really is because again they're working with uh you know non-attributed quotes spread out everywhere and i think that's really very similar to the issue that any of these companies that train AI models have, there's so much data out there that's not attributed to whoever the, the original source is. I don't know how you would sort that out. Yeah. So it's it's been a, it's been a while since we've talked about Chat GPT. So for some of our listeners and and for myself, honestly, I just want to clarify a couple of things. So first of all, we're, we're as you've sort of described here, we're not talking about verbatim plagiarism. Plagiarism, for those who may not know, isn't just copying someone's information word for word. It's stealing someone's ideas. So, you know, you have to attribute where you got the idea from. That's the reason a lot of times in my writing, especially in some of my conspiracy stuff, I'll say someone has said or I picked up somewhere along the way because I want to try to make it clear these are not my original thoughts. Somehow they've been interwoven into my mind as I've researched this stuff, but I, I certainly can't take credit for them. That's the idea. So you have to attribute ideas, not just uh, verbatim words. But the other question I have or comment is the way the large language models work, as I understand it, is they're not, uh, when you put in a prompt, you're not, they're not actually just verbatim plagiarizing something they're kind of the ai is kind of thinking for itself but it's drawing from a body of knowledge uh that you know is is where it gets its information but it's my understanding is it's the output that it produces is unique in the sense that you're not going to be able to put in a phrase like you were talking about and find that exact phrase over and over again necessarily uh am i right 
Correct. Yeah. So, and, and thank you for bringing, uh, pointing that out. We're not, it's not like the Google search okay. um, where you get that same hit many times. Um, it, it's that not only the content, but also the style, the approach. So, so for example, if somebody wanted to come up with, um, you know, the uh, 13th rule of going back to Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson's, I think he called it rules for life. Um, you know, but it, it didn't sound like Jordan Peterson. Maybe they wrote it in the style of me that wouldn't fool anybody. Um, so it, it's, it's not just the, uh, um, the, 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 the words, um, but it's, you know, those ideas, uh, like you were saying, but also even that style, that approach, that method in which the information is conveyed. And that's something that the large language models are really good at. You know, we've all seen the humorous examples of how you can uh, have it write you a story about whatever uh, in the style of Bart Simpson speaking in uh, ancient uh, or old English, something like that, right? You can come up with some very amusing examples of that. So that's a case where it's taking also styles and applying them. Hmm. So, so yeah, that's that's a that that's a real honest challenge. Um, and the, the, I would say the root of it is we have so much copyright infringement all over the web. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it makes it almost impossible. Yeah, you can understand the the New York Times's perspective, although far be it for me to be sympathetic toward the New York Times, all the news that's fit to flush. Um, but uh, but you can also certainly understand how OpenAI's uh, you know argument holds. It's like, look, we can't help what's on the web, and our AIs are just going to draw from this you know body of language. And if someone else has plagiarized you, that's out of our control, right? Absolutely. So it, it's a real problem. I know there's a lot of work going into these kinds of, of, of issues. We'll, we'll see if there's something that really clever engineer can figure out in the near future. Hmm. All right. So now we're into all red stories. Hmm. And uh, this next story I, I saw on MSN. And uh, um, I'm going to read the title of it here because it really sets the stage for what uh, what this article covers. AI spam is already starting to ruin the internet. And it talks about a company called 404 Media. Um, apparently, it's a, it's a relatively young, uh, technology-focused news, you know, newspaper, blog, whatever you want to call it. And they uh, have been dealing with uh, what they're calling the uh, cottage industry of article theft. So as a uh, news-type organization, um, they make their money on people coming to their site and, and being able to sell advertising on it, click on things, things of that nature. So if you don't go to their website, they don't get any reward, any revenue from their labor. And so what is happening is people are taking AI systems and scraping other websites and, um, and then republishing those in tons and tons of places. And so earlier we were talking about the issue with Google. So for example, you know, when I'd go out and I'd search for that phrase um, and I would hit many, you know, many examples of it, right? Sometimes 20 or 30 hits, depending on, on the quote. And again, never getting back to the original source, right? It's just, you find examples of this, of this quote everywhere. Um, that's what's running into, into uh, companies like 404 Media. Um, so when I go out and I do a search, or uh, something I'm interested in, odds are 
I'm going to come across one of the uh, the uh, sites where they scrape that content, where it's a you know a fake of that article, if you will. Hmm. Um, so you know that that's becoming a, a growing issue. Um, and then there's an even darker side to that. Um, uh, starting back in uh, 2021, a a scam started where they would you know these these bad actors would come across obituaries and would copy some of the information um, enough to to cause a, a, a hit on Google after the page was indexed and we'll, we'll paste them on, uh, you know, hundreds of sites in some cases, flood the internet with this information. And so when people are going out and searching for, hey, I heard this happened to, to somebody that I, I know or whatever, statistically, they're going to come across a... Uh, a site with this bad information where they will get facts wrong, uh, information wrong. And again, it's simply to get views so they can sell advertising, hmm. uh, make advertising revenue. Um, and then, so it's gone from that to now we have AI systems who are not only doing that kind of information, like, you know, that, that kind of scam like 404 Media was talking about, but now the AIs can create videos um, spam websites, things of that nature. So uh, just just c- getting to, to good information is becoming harder by the week almost. Mm. Um, there's so much AI garbage out there. And again, and in the past, we've talked about this theory called the dead internet theory, where um, most, if not all of the content on the internet is fake. The people I'm interacting with are fake. Um, it's all being done by bots by AI systems. Now, I don't think we're there yet, but you can kind of see we're heading that direction. Yeah, I mean, there there was the old uh, adage early on when the internet first started was, you know, you can't believe everything you, you read on the internet. And I can remember as an academic trying to make the argument and point out, which was true at the time, that look, the internet is just a medium. It's just the same way that you can't walk into a brick and mortar library, and, and when you or, or if you walk into a brick and mortar library, you would say, "I don't agree with everything that's in this library." You can't believe everything that's written in these books, right? So, so there's always Absolutely. inaccurate information. But the reality is, the way the way technology has advanced, it, it really is getting to be where you can't believe almost anything you see. On the internet, we certainly know that to be true. There's, you know, anytime uh, you know you have enemies, they're going to try to uh, disparage you and 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 paint you in a more evil light than you than you really are. And it's so easy to do now with very accurate looking pieces of information out there, like you said, videos and so forth. So, um, I you know, I don't know. It's it's getting to be harder and harder to research <clears throat> using. Uh, the internet, because you don't know if you're dealing with the original source material or if it's been changed or tweaked or whether it's just outright false. Absolutely. And so, and so what we're seeing with, you know, the, the, these kinds of problems with uh, AI, it's not that the scam itself is new. Um, the, uh, like I said, with the, with the fake obituaries, and that started well before we had easy access to models like like OpenAI's, um, or even the ones you can run locally. Um, it was people doing it, but they've been able to automate that and roll it out at scale. So it's the same problem, just radically more powerful and efficient. Mm. 
So, so that's going to create the problem. It's, it's a flood. It's an absolute flood. All right, next one. Um, it was an interview made by Mustafa Suleiman. He was one of the co-founders of Google's uh, AI company called DeepMind, um, behind a lot of their advances. And he was speaking at Davos, Switzerland, um, which, you know, at the World Economic Forum <laughs> meeting. So, um, so, you know, do with that what you wish. Um, and he noted here that AI has the potential to, and this is a quote from the article, significantly disrupt labor markets. In, here in the coming years by replacing human jobs. Um, he, he certainly mentioned the efficiencies that it creates, um, and and uh, but those efficiencies will, and this isn't an article here, this is uh, my take on it, uh, ultimately result in job loss. Mm. In most corporate settings, in, in my experience, uh, anytime I heard leaders talking about we need to improve efficiency, typically that meant layoffs. Um, you know, certainly sometimes, you know, you're, you're simply adjusting a process, but usually it means people and, you know, we, we are, are going to start seeing, I think, certain tech leaders be more honest about what's coming with AI. Mm. Um, you know, we, we hear the stories constantly. I saw some in the last week um, where, hey, once we get AI here, you're not going to do junk like this, these kind of task labor that we don't like to do fun creative things um I, well i think you know again in that leverage phase where we're rolling out the tools and learning to use them and seeing how they really can help us be more efficient that part's great but it's not going to go on very long it's, it's going to be measured in a year or two and then we will see people lose their jobs mm. that's that ultimate efficiency mm. so so it is. It's good to see somebody of of, of Mustafa's uh, stature. I mean, he is a absolute giant, a genius in this field, and you know he's he's being honest. Yeah, it's going to disrupt the labor markets. Hmm. So, absolutely, uh, absolutely going to be an issue. All right, next one, uh, and this is related to uh, some of the, the previous stories here. This is out of Politico. Um, like I mentioned earlier in that uh, yellow article with Sam Altman uh, talking about you know, there's over 60 elections going on around the world uh, th this year. Um, there were, and I'm sure you've seen this in the news, in the New Hampshire primary, these mysterious uh, AI phone calls were made um, to Democratic voters to discourage them from voting in the primary. And it sounded like President Joe Biden. So an AI... Uh, had cloned his voice and was given a you know program set up to uh, call a list of numbers and to deliver that message. So these kind of deep fakes, we're going to see an absolute explosion, um, literally any day now. Um, and uh, and one of the challenges is these uh, with the ease at which this can be distributed, uh, trying to counteract these deep fakes will be a uh, truly a Herculean task. One of my big concerns with this is that uh, the solution, the answer, will be to completely regulate what people can say online. Um, if you're so worried about deep, deep fakes that you control access to communications, um, sounds to me like that's something that the elites have wanted for a long, long time. And this could be a good excuse to get there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, as we talk about how all of this relates to the end times and potentially setting the stage for 
the Antichrist and false prophet and, and their reign of terror uh, in the seven years leading up to the return of Christ, uh, you know, it, it gets to the point where it's exactly what Satan has been striving for all along. He wants confusion and deception. He started out with a lie when he confronted Eve in the garden, and he's been lying ever since. Jesus said everything he speaks is a lie. He can't do anything else, uh, John 8, 24. So, you know, we're we're at the point where they're loving it because they've created this cloud, this sort of haze in front of everything so that you can't ever, no matter how hard you try or how much you desire, you can't ever get beyond the curtain to see what the truth really is. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it's getting to be, as we've said many times, where you're not going to be able to tell fiction from reality. In the old days, someone faked their voice, and, and let's face it, even before technology, there were some pretty good impersonators of voices, right? So you could say, well, come see me in person. I want to physically touch you. Or like Thomas, I want to see the nail scars in your hands, that kind of, I want to physically touch you. But we're even getting to the point quite rapidly, as you've talked about before with us, of really well done embodied AIs to where you may be sitting across the table from someone and you still can't tell if that's the real person or if it's an embodied AI. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it just makes you all the more, uh, it, it drives us all the more to the Word of God, or at least it should, because Jesus, the living incarnate Word, and the Scripture, the living written Word, are the only truth. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we've got we've to stay rooted in what we know, because, I mean, you're, they're rewriting textbooks, they're they're literally changing things in plain sight. We've seen that with the fake elections where, you know, you're watching the returns and the numbers across the bottom of the screen. Instead of going up, they go down. I mean, I don't know how that happens. Once you've counted the votes, you'd think they can't be taken away. So, I mean, Shane, I mean, it, it's a it's a bleak picture, which is why you put this in the red. But what's what's the solution for believers to keep from getting swept up in this tide of deception? Okay, so I think believers need to uh, view today and, you know, in, in the very short term, view every day is an opportunity to uh, collect information um, and, and ways to distribute that Christian information um, before there's a lockdown that prevents the free and easy distribution of that kind of content. So in looking at how do you control these deep fake AIs, um, my concern uh, specifically is that we'll see something that we've seen played out in other industries where um, if you want to publish something online, you have to have a paid account. Um, you're paying money that, for that ability to post on YouTube or wherever. Uh, that ability to make your podcast available out there so that it becomes financially unfeasible for, say, a not by works to, to distribute their content. Mm. And, and here's what I'm basing that on. Uh, when you know, we've seen this issue, including one that just happened in the last couple of weeks, uh, where these um, farms that raise chickens or, or wherever, uh, maybe cattle, um, catch fire and explode. Um, and so, um, so when that was happening, I was I just started checking into that whole agribusiness side a little bit more. And when it came to the to chickens, I came across some stories and even a documentary that described the issue that independent 
uh, chicken farmers. Um, I, I guess that's a proper firm. I don't know if you call them ranchers or not, but uh, uh, those who raise chickens were running into where um, they were forced to have a, a pay a fee and do an inspection on every single chicken that was in their, um, you know, in, in their operation. Whereas large companies were able to buy for the same price one that covered the entire facility, hmm. or one that covered an entire building. If they had, you know, like, you know, let's say they had six large warehouse hangar, you know, kind of places where they were raising the chickens. They could just buy one at the same price that the independent guy had to pay for a single chicken. They could cover that entire warehouse, mm. um, and it's and it's a financial way to force out these smaller farmers, mm. keep them from from uh, participating. Well, the next step is to do that in the information world. So, what if uh, Not by Works had to pay one hundred dollars? Just making up something. For every article you published, every podcast you put out there, every video, um, that would be cost prohibitive before law. Absolutely. Um, so, so you you can silence people without officially silencing free speech. You put it underneath the guise of we have to protect people, and because the problems of dealing with this are real, going back to that yellow article with Sam Altman talking about the issues of trying to keep out, for example, the New York Times information from their from their uh, training sets um you know the, these um these challenges of controlling uh the, this bad information these fakes is a real issue i just think the solution will probably be worse than the the actual problem and so if we very quickly get into a point to where not by works can't distribute content uh, or you can't even uh, send your loved ones a text message um that maybe you know quote scripture or, or or links back to uh say you know some of your articles or your videos how are you going to keep that communication working as best you can mm -hmm. um when you don't have that vehicle of the internet yeah yeah no I, I tell you what this is as you said it's not a new problem there's nothing new under the sun it's just the the scale and the ability to to you know to do this kind of stuff by the by the bad actors has just mm -hmm. exponentially increased. I mean, I can remember back in the fifties when uh, uh, Carl McIntyre, Carl S. McIntyre, literally had to get on a boat off the coast of New Jersey, uh, Cape May, uh, to broadcast because back then they were the, even the uh, uh, whatever the FCC or whatever wasn't the, the controlling entity was uh, trying to squelch what he was having to say. Uh, you know, in, in a theological and conspiratorial realm. So, I mean, it's it's already happening in terms of, you know, uh, tightening the noose around conservative, evangelical, Bible-based groups, because look at YouTube. Again, I hate to keep harping on that, but we now live in a country where a, you know, supposedly free platform available to anyone in the general public can kick you off if you don't you know, promote a lie. Like if you, if you don't believe in the transgender movement, or if you don't believe boys can be girls and girls can be boys and there's no, you know, biological gender, or if you don't believe, you know, exactly down the line what the lies that they're uh, purveying, then they'll just kick you off. And so, you know, they're already doing that. And, and I don't know if you ca caught the uh, podcast we did a, a week or so ago on quantum computing with, uh, with uh, Lucas Doremus. But it, it's amazing how, when you think about the people involved in 
these decisions are all d- depraved people. So no matter you know, no matter what, it's already infected. The infection is already there. You can't, you can't, you know, do it co- correctly. And and this is you know what the Bible means when it says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Uh, we're not going to be able to, I don't think, take mainstream platforms and mainstream technology. Uh, you know, especially not people like Musk. I know a lot of Christians have jumped on the Musk bandwagon. I've cautioned against that forever. I mean, these guys, we may resonate with certain things that they say. We may agree with them on this or that, but let's not forget at the end of the day, they're part of an evil uh, world system that is is going to be difficult to uh, to overcome. So I think we may very well, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, find ourselves in a situation where all we've got is physical gatherings of people where we can physically speak with our physical mouths and talk. You know, we're just not going to be able to disseminate information. And that's by design. Satan has always been about blinding men's hearts to the gospel. And the easiest way to do that is to keep the gospel from going forth, period. I mean, I know he he pr- promotes a lot of false gospels. I've written and talked about that. But if he can just turn it off and say, you can't hear the gospel, well, that's that's going a long way towards accomplishing his goal. Absolutely, I think we have much to. to so, if you want to, it's really easy for me to sit here and say, "Hey, we need to figure out ways to uh, be able to keep this information uh, flowing, but not use the internet." Um, well, the next question is, "Okay, great, how?" And I th- think that what we need to start doing is looking at how the persecuted church in years past. Mm has dealt with this very information, this very situation. Um, how do you how do you continue to spread the gospel to to make disciples when there's uh, an oppressive force over you trying to prevent that? Mm. So instead of you know instead of the uh, uh, communist government or whatever it is, it's going to be these AI systems that have been trained and uh, deployed to suppress that kind of speech. And by the way, one thing to keep in mind with large language models is um, they are going to become very, very good at even figuring out when people are using code words and so forth to avoid saying a word or a phrase that trips the more traditional technology that censors out information. Um, the the, the latest uh, large language models We'll be able to look at that content and figure out sentiments and 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 categorize it as to something that's allowed or not allowed uh, very easily. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah. There, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I was talking to a pastor. Uh, yes, I don't remember yesterday or Saturday. I think it was Saturday. We were driving, and uh, he's got a radio show, and he we were lamenting how they keep getting. A band, and so he's was doing that very thing. So, for example, when he would talk about January sixth, he would talk about the month before February, the day before January seventh. You know, well, you're right. I mean, these AI systems are eventually going to figure out what that's referring to, and they'll add that to the list of forbidden speech. You know, exactly. So, and 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 here's what's going to be different uh, from a uh, technical standpoint is. Before, it was really about, um, here's the forbidden uh, things to say, right? It was really more about tripping keywords and so forth. Um, what we're moving to with, uh, with with AIs being used to enforce 
censorship um, is that it's not about the keyword. It's a, it, it will truly understand the sentiments mm. uh, in addition to the words and come up with meaning just like we do when we listen to say like that pastor, right? When he says that, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, well, the AI system's going to know too. Mm. So it's, it's going to be a real challenge. Mm. It's going to be a real challenge. Well, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, but, but everyone needs to start that now. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's here. The, some of the previous shows, we've talked about some of the advances happening on the hardware side so that AI is more efficient and, and you can uh, scale it more. Well, that's in my mind, the piece that's really keeping that from being in place right now. The cost to do that in mass is, is not feasible computationally. Um, but if we have some real advances in the architecture and you know it's starting to look like some of that's happening, we could, in, in just a matter of a few years, have enough compute out there um, that you can't have AI systems act as these gatekeepers. Mm. So it, it's it's coming, okay, you know, before you know it. I'm not saying it's here tomorrow, but you need to start doing it today because when you think about the amount of content um, that you need to have to be able to contribute, to be able to share, um, you're, you're going to want more time than, than less time. Yeah. So, all right, next article. This is our last one. We'll probably spend a little bit more time with this. Uh, let me start off by saying part of me doesn't believe that this is fully true, this story. Um, and I'll get into why. But and, and many people probably saw the article. Um, uh, here's the headline from, from CNN is, is where I, I took this, but I did see it on a few, uh, number of places. Finance worker pays out $25 million after video call with deep fake chief financial officer. And so apparently there's this finance company in Hong Kong and there was a worker there who was tricked into paying out in American money, roughly $25 million to a scammer. Uh, the, the scammer used deep fake technology to um, not only have a, a fake video call with this employee saying, here's what I need you to do, it also had other members that the worker was familiar with. I guess, I guess people that uh, he um, would would interact with as a normal part of the business, and they were on the video call. They looked and sounded normal. The video uh, gave him the appearance of normalcy, and um, and so. But it turns out everybody was was fake. It also followed up with emails and so forth. It wasn't just based upon that, and um, but he uh, ended up sending the. Uh, 200 million Hong Kong dollars, which is, like I said, roughly 25 million U.S. dollars right now um, to some kind of fraudster. So the reason why I'm, I'm a little bit leery of the story uh, as it's presented um, is I would it's not the AI side. Could that happen? <laughs> you bet. OK, um, that could absolutely happen. Um, it's that they didn't have more controls in place internally to prevent this. Um, now, of course, I don't know that company. Um, maybe that's the case, but that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. But if this is true, you know, we have truly crossed a line um, and and uh, this will radically embolden uh, even more 
well-funded, well-thought-out scams using deep fake AI technology. Yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in past shows, we've talked about, again, the growing problem of deep fakes being used to give fake uh, ransom messages, right? You know, kidnapping messages uh, where it appears that your loved one is being held hostage and says you need to send $5,000 to this, you know, to this cash app uh, address or whatever it is. Um, Same thing here. You need to have some sort of way to validate if the phone call or even what you're seeing with your eyes is true. And that's having that passphrase um, that you never write down. You know, you share it with, uh, you know, somebody person to person, you whisper in their ear. I mean, I would really be paranoid here. Um, And, and so if there's ever a, uh, a phone call, you know, say from me, from me to my wife, um, that's a that's a deep fake. Um, she uh, needs to, be able to say, "Hey, calm down, Shane. Watch the phrase. I want to make sure it's you." And and trust in that if that person on the other end of the line can't give that phrase, you're dealing with a deep fake. And it's going to be gut-wrenching. It doesn't make it easy. The emotions of a situation like that would be unbearable in my mind. I've never had to deal with that, thankfully. But that's the only effective countermeasure that I think is available right now. Yeah. The great news is it's free. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the sad thing is, in the, in the case of that company in Japan, if the guy, if he had just, first of all, this is one of the dangers of virtual reality, right? We no longer have offices where people can walk down the hall on the executive level, you know, uh, floor and, and talk to people. But if he'd have just simply been able to do that, if he'd have gone to say the president or the CEO and said, hey, I'm um, sure it's no big deal, but the CFO, you know, Bob over here or Sally, you know, she's wanting me to send $25 million to such and such and just being extra cautious here, not trying to suspect anything, but just want to make sure that you know, that that's all on the up and up. Well, that CEO would have probably immediately said, what, what are you talking about? There's no, I didn't authorize any 25 million or we don't, I don't know of any big major transfer like that. And the whole jig would have been up and, and those scammers would have had to move on to another mark. But, uh, but he didn't do that. And, you know, he, it, it, and, and, and we can't fault him because we've all been, we've all fallen victim to scams that are a lot less uh, sophisticated than that. But I mean, that was a pretty sophisticated one. And, and I think, in the same way that if it's a you're dealing with a family, you know you've got this code word or phrase, uh, code phrase um, that that can you know immediately expose a fraud. You know if they'd have just been able to have a physical conversation with somebody, uh, or walk, for that matter, walk down the hall to the CFO and say. Hey, uh, I know we were just, or or, or, hold on, let's pause this video conference for a second. I'm going to come down. Let's talk about this face to face, you know. Uh, So here's the challenge in this case, though. Um, Part of the research that the scammers did was to pick a company that was international. Um, And so in this case, the CFO was based in the UK Mm -hmm. where this person was in in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, So so he didn't have that option to walk down the hall. Yeah, you can't so, do it. So in yeah. my mind, so in my mind, the two ends of the on the company side, the two ends of the spectrum that are probably the most at risk. One is the large international companies where you can exploit the fact that the person actually pushing the button to send the transfer 
to be in a radically different time zone than the than the person they're faking, right? Um, I I probably don't have that option to walk down and talk to the the CFO. Mm-hmm. So on that end, there's you know absolutely ripe for for uh, cyber scammers, and then small companies because they're just not going to um, be in a place where they have those controls in place to prevent this kind of thing. I think for a while, the medium-sized companies will probably fare a little bit better because the person can walk down the hall mm-hmm. <laughs> in many cases. At least. So, so, so this is, is growing. Like I said, if it's true and, and, and part of me is shocked that there's not controls in place for, uh, for this type of deal. Now, the flip side is to me, 25 million is a fortune to a large international finance company. Maybe it's a rounding error. I don't yeah. know, huh. but, um, but, you know, those controls need to be uh, not only in place, but again, we have to have something that is not technology-based that can serve as that authentication method for not only families in the case of those those, those uh, scam kidnapping messages that have been growing recently, but even, you know, even these companies, this is, this is really just a variation of a phishing attack. Spear phishing is, is typically what it's called. And that's phishing, not like with the, uh, spelled with an F, but a PH, uh, phishing. And, um, and what used to be somebody sending emails from their, um, you know, from their home after doing some research and, and figuring out how to, uh, to, uh, impersonate, say, the CFO or some sort of other executive. Now we've got AI doing it mm-hmm. at scale, um, and bringing in, in forms of communication such as the video and so forth that weren't possible when it was all email-based scams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we can remember that back in the day when it was real popular for people to send out uh, emails uh, saying, hey, you know, Shane, I, my car broke down on the side of the road. I left my wallet at home. I don't have any money. Can you, all I've got is my cell phone. Can you Venmo me, you know, X amount of uh, money? And, of course, it wasn't anybody you know. Uh, and a lot of people fell victim to that. But this is so far beyond that. I mean, I actually get a little nervous myself because I feel like I'm fairly savvy and I can spot a fake email a mile away. But man, if you're not really on your game, if you're just, you know, half paying attention and just clicking through emails, and I get a ton of email, uh, you can click the wrong button and first thing you know, it can really be disastrous. So people need to be on guard. Uh, you know, First Peter 5, 8, our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to be be, be paying attention, don't we? Absolutely. Um, be paying attention and uh, be in prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, we need God's wisdom in sorting through this. Uh, we are, are literally... Um, encountering, you know, problems, systems uh, um, who are um, being powered by people, you know, obeying Satan. I don't have another way of putting it. Um, Anytime people do acts of evil like this, uh, clearly they're just obeying their father, the devil. And um, and again, the scale, the the, uh, speed of this, and the sophistication we've never seen before. So don't wait. Start now and put in completely offline, low-tech countermeasures mm-hmm. that can give you a little bit of um, little bit of assurance and that you're not going to fall a victim to it. But again, ask for wisdom. Yeah. 
You know, I, th I think I've asked you this before, but just for some context, you know, with with our mutual friend Randy, who who comes on uh, weekly to talk about geopolitical events, and he's got some very well placed sources within the military establishment, and we have a system set up to where if he catches wind of some major, uh, you know, event, he's gonna he's gonna alert me immediately. And by the way, he's done that with with you know not necessarily global events, but half a dozen times or so over the last uh, couple of years, he's alerted me, in some cases, a couple of hours ahead before anybody knows. Like I, he alerted me uh, of quite a ways before the October 7th thing was generally known to be taking place. Uh, so he's just got some of these sources. So we've got a system set up, basically, you know, hey, if it's DEFCON 1, you'll know about it, head for the bunker. I'm I'm at the point where, you know, I, I want to ask you, you know, are are we where we need to, being that we've, you know, uh, uh, pulled a, a Julius Caesar here and crossed the Rubicon, do we need to go dark? Do we need to, you know, go off the grid? Is it time to, to completely unplug? Uh, or, and if not, uh, will you send uh, me an alert when we get to that point so I can kind of be ahead of the curve? Uh, I don't think it's time to to uh, um, to abandon uh, technology, abandon the internet. It's still a valuable tool. Um, you know, your show using the internet right now is is a blessing. You know, thousands. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and why? You know, why would you not use that as long as you can? Mm -hmm. um, so so I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying, in the event of a clamp down, now maybe it won't happen. Maybe the Lord won't allow them to clamp it down that much. I don't know. Um, but um, but in the event of that, how are you going to distribute information? Uh, so maybe this is a deal of, of um, um, start investing in cheap flash drives, USB flash drives when they go on sale. Mm -hmm. um, if you're talking about simply, especially if you're talking about distributing textual data, right, PDFs, things of that nature that have content, um, you can get a lot on even a low-end flash drive. Video eats up a lot more space. Audio is somewhere in between those two. But, you know, start thinking of ways. How can I have a way to uh, have information um, that I can, you know, give somebody? Maybe I mail it. Maybe I have to hand it to them physically. It doesn't rely on the Internet. Mm, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, if, if, if there's something coming that, that uh, I think is, is really worrisome, I'll, I'll absolutely let you know. But the challenge is, is um, can you recognize it in advance? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that we'll be able to. And, and so if in fact, we're recognizing these kind of issues in arrears, that control system's already in place more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No so, so, so that's why I'm saying this period of time we have, however long it is, um, get your information, start collecting it, get it offline. Um, and, um, and then, you know, work through. Uh, ways with 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 people that are important to you, where you can you can distribute that information, um, and and really you you know you need to have a way to uh, uh, be able to have it reach you know multiple people. So like for example, let's say um, you know I have a pastor friend that's in a in a uh, country that's not very open to the gospel. Um, you know what if he loses that ability to to get to that information, right? Like his country shuts that off. 
are there ways I can through postal mail get him content? And and he knows that he needs to be ready to distribute that to his group of people, right? So this this uh, um, you know this this distribution system that looks a lot like what the persecuted church has been doing for decades and decades and decades. Yeah, we really are going to have to think, you know, like the old pioneer days type thinking. We're going to have to be to just conceptually disconnect with how convenient and easy everything has become, and it's 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 going to be much harder if the Lord tarries, uh, you know, for us to 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 get information. Now, for our part, we've always uh, backed everything up in physical copies in in a safe. Uh, so that, you know, if the whole internet crashed and went down, we would not lose any data. But then that's a that's just step one. Step two is then how do you then alternatively get all that data disseminated to people that, that need need it? So but like you said, you know, for now we've got we've got access. We've we want to proclaim the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. We want believers to be strengthened in the faith. We want those who are uh, still searching and maybe have never come to faith to recognize that only Jesus Christ can forgive sin and give you the gift of eternal life. It's an absolutely free gift. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. It's simply. Uh, receiving the free gift by faith alone in Christ alone as the only one uh, who paid your personal sin debt. So I hope if you're listening today and you've not trusted in Christ that uh, we've created a, a bit of an urgency in your heart as the Spirit of God convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment and your need for a Savior. And I hope that you'll uh, come running uh, to Christ. Uh, he's the only one that can save you. But for believers, uh, there's probably a bit of angst as well. <laughs> they are created by the realization of how rapidly things are spiraling out of control. But remember the rock on which we stand. It's Christ. We don't have to fear. We should never be scared, only prepared. And that's what we're trying to do here when we talk to folks like Shane is just give you the information and uh, so you're not blindsided. Shane, any any closing thoughts here? Um, this is a time, you know, I like what you uh, were mentioning about believers probably feeling anxiety. Um, hey, I feel anxiety too when I'm putting these things together when I'm reading about it. Uh, some of it's interesting, you know that that nerd side of me has a genuine interest in this, but um, but also seeing how it is and can further as it improves be abused um, and even become an outright tyrannical tool for evil people is concerning so you know stay in the word mm. um and uh and i can't stress that enough if you are not reading your bible daily and i'm not talking about i mean if you just get a verse in okay i mean it's better than nothing but i'm talking about a systematic daily bible reading plan mm -hmm. um and you're you're messing up on a number of levels be in the word bathe in the word have an active prayer life ask god for wisdom He's promised it to us in James. He will give us wisdom. Um, this isn't a technology issue that we're dealing with here. This is a good versus evil mm. issue. And so we need God's wisdom to know, for example, when the technology is, is can be used for good and when people are using it for wickedness. Boy, amen. Brother, I'm so thankful for you. You uh, you are spot on there. It's uh, The word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
by the way, if folks are looking for a uh, helpful little devotional uh, book, uh, our book, Weekly Words of Life, 52 devotionals to, to, to you know, strengthen your faith. Um, that's available at the Not Bay Works online store. Or what I did is took 52 of my devotionals. We have hundreds of them that through the years we've written and packaged them together. They're all, you know, start with a scripture passage. We contextualize it. We explain kind of what's going on. And then we give just a short page or two at most uh, application and, and thoughts and challenges to just encourage you uh, as you uh, go through uh, your week. So check out Weekly Words of Life uh, in the online store. Um, and we have tons of free devotionals and things on our website too. So we're not trying to sell anything, but I know that's been a, a, a very helpful uh, helpful tool. So uh, folks, thanks for listening today, Shane. Thank you as always. Uh, spread this uh, message around. Be sure and pass it on to others. Subscribe uh, to our Rumble channel and to our, our podcast channels. Uh, and stay tuned throughout the week. You know, I, I'm in uh, Lake Charles, as I mentioned. Uh, we've got another message tonight that we will be posting after the conference tonight. And then the final day of the conference is tomorrow night. We'll post that one as well. We've already got the first two messages from yesterday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. They're posted uh, at our Rumble channel and at notbyworks.org. Uh, but as always, if you ever need anything or you have questions, you can reach out to us through our website at notbyworks.org. But uh, until tomorrow, uh, have a great rest of the day. Enjoy this Monday, and we will talk again soon.